0: Hey what's up everybody? this is Brian Tishy from Silverthorne and I used to be in Flash of Snake Pit and a little bit of velvet revolver and time with Gilby Clark as well and you're listening to appetite for Distortion with Brando. No
1: Distortion and welcome to the podcast Appetite for Distortion, episode one hundred and sixty seven. My name is Brando. Very excited to have our next guest. And it's funny how I was reminded of his his stint in Velvet Revolver, because when you think about Velvet, it's just, you know, slash Duff, Dave Kushner, Scott Weiland, and Matt Sorum, and that's it. So if, if you follow us on social media, and you notice I post a lot of pictures from from Getty Images, and then I came across Brian amongst those Velvet Revolver albums. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, I knew. And forgive me, it's uh, Brian Tishy, correct? Yeah, it's close enough, Tishy. <laughs> well, I want to make sure I get it right. What's uh, what's what's not close enough? What's the right what pronunciation? Forgive me. Yeah, yeah, Tishy, uh, T- short I. Okay, so I got it right. I guess I think I did. You said tishy. Oh, <laughs> it I, I did. Really matter. You said Tishy, and that's fine. Tishy. Yeah, right. You know, I was telling you uh, just off the air because, and I shared it with my listeners. I'm, you know, I'm right now here in Tribeca. Uh, New York, and you know, I pretty much work for Premier Radio Networks, and I do this podcast as a fun side, and it's great that I'm able to incorporate it in my job, but this week I've been training to be the backup producer for Q1043, the uh, legendary classic rock station, and that requires me getting up at 3 a.m., where normally, I don't know, Brian, you've worked with so many different artists, if you've ever worked with Keith Sweat, (laughs) the R&B singer... (laughs) Uh, but uh, no, <laughs> but I work on his show at night, so my clock is all messed up. So I, that's my reason why I got your name slightly wrong because I'm still kind of like figuring out where I am. Anyway, obviously, and I know we're on the phone today with our Brian Tishy, and it's such an honor to speak with you because you've just been a part of so many uh, legendary uh, work with so many legendary acts, in, in your own right, just being a very uh, a highly regarded drummer. So just uh, thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate your time.
0: Yeah, no, no
1: problem at all. Where are you calling from today, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Los Angeles. Oh, Okay, nice. So, and you, uh, you're headed off to a session. So, is this a, you know, it's always interesting because I've ha- I've talked to other guests who, in between sessions, you know, Brain, former GNR and Primus comes to example comes uh, to mind. So, is it a, like what are you working on? Is it to, like do you teach lessons, or is it uh, is it your your Silverthorn? Like, what are you what are you uh, where are you going to after this?
0: Oh, it's a it's a session to myself and a, it's a record myself, George Lynch on guitar and Tony Franklin on bass are doing for a singer, and uh, we're going over to Georgia's studio and working on some uh, vocals and possibly setting up drums at his place to do another drum track. So, uh, yeah, it's just a project we're doing for a, a singer that put us all together.
1: Awesome, because. Now that I think about it, you seem to be kinda of how like I am. I mentioned all these different radio shows that I work on and you work with all these different artists. Do you like that having worked with, you know, Slash and Gilby Clark and Farner and Ozzy and all these different pla you know, do you like spreading yourself, I guess, thin, for lack of a better way of putting it?
0: Um yeah, it's all been it's all been great. I mean I've had a lot of great experiences with a either artists that i totally respect or or that i grew up on so yeah that's that's all cool and uh know yeah, that's that's i guess that's that's just the way it's gone you know i, I don't know about everybody else but as a, as a kid i always basically just want to have you know your own band that uh ends up uh being a huge success and selling out multiple nights at Madison Square garden but that's not the easiest feat ever and uh you know you do what you do and you meet this person you meet that person you play with this person play with that person hopefully you do a good job the word you know word gets around a decent decent uh decent word about your your name or your ability and 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 on on it goes you know you just end up uh more or less bouncing around but uh some some bands have been in longer than others and you know some have just been shorter stints but uh but yeah it's all been cool
1: who was the the band, I guess, and or drummer that you saw as a kid and were like, "I want to be like that. I want to do that."
0: Yeah, the first band was Kiss. You know, as a kid in the '70s, they were huge, uh, along with the other huge bands at the time. You know, Zeppelin, Queen, The Who, Stones, Aerosmith, and you know all that kind of stuff. But uh, but yeah, I got into Kiss first, and Peter, Chris, and all the other. Huge bands followed shortly after, but those first couple of years of learning to play drums and getting into rock and buying my own records was predominantly
1: KISS-based. Kiss it's amazing, because we got the, a very similar answer from Johnny Kelly from Typo Negative and, and Hookers and Blow, and I think that's just that's so great. I, I mean, I'm only 36. I feel like I missed the KISS wave. Of course, I grew up with them, but not like you in the 70s, that I, I just... I don't know. Despite this being a GNR themed podcast, Kiss comes off a uh, Kiss comes up uh, quite often.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, they were they were at their peak back then, mm-hmm. and uh, still the original four members. They didn't go through uh, anybody quitting yet. Any disco era, any of the eighties, you know, take off the makeup stuff. You know, it was just you know, still that that you know, larger than life, uh, larger than life thing that they 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 had that for for us kiss fans as kids uh, didn't seem like any other band was as larger than life as them you know
1: sure uh who would you say like when you started doing this for real that perhaps it was the first artist or band you worked with that you consider your big break
0: um yeah i don't uh, yeah i don't <laughs> no i don't know if there's any big breaks it was just all like steps you know hopefully mm-hmm. or, you know but uh i mean i one of my first extensive tours which was just a blast was with the uh, current ufo guitar player virtuoso vinnie moore he was doing his uh solo thing and myself and jd who's the bass player in black label society we were vinnie's rhythm section and it was great because we were just in a couple of vans playing every club in the u.s for like seven months non-stop we in the middle of that, we got an opportunity to uh, open up for Rush for 10 shows for a couple weeks on the East Coast, which was like a couple nights at Madison Square Garden, a couple nights at Philly Spectrum and all that kind of stuff. And it was, yeah, that was, you know, so in the middle of this club tour, we got thrust into this whole crazy place I'd never thought I'd be. And uh, yeah, so that was, I, I don't know if it was a break. It was just, an, it was a great experience. And, and soon after that, I was uh, I joined up with Zach Wild and his Pride and Glory band, which through that, Slash had come up and played with us at a couple places, and uh, the following year, joined up with Slash, and I think that's pretty much how I, you know, my, myself and James Lomenzo, who's the bass player in Pride and Glory, uh, we both ended up touring the world with Slash on his first Snake Pit tour, and that's how I got, you know, got to know Gilby better and did a bunch of stuff with Gilby after that, and, and uh, yeah, just a, a road, a long road of playing drums with <laughs> a lot of different <laughs> people all over the world, yeah.
1: Well, it sounds like you're living the dream, which is just yeah. Uh, uh, well, uh, I don't know. It's a it, or it, living in, it, in is a dream. What it is? <laughs>
0: it, like a what?
1: Living in a dream, perhaps not uh, living the dream.
0: No, it's no, it's just a, it's a strong sense of reality. It's uh, it's basically I, I love playing drums. That's what I've done. That's all I've ever done. That's all I ever wanted to do. And and um, real happy that that's what I do as my, you know, my main gig on this planet, you <laughs> know, so that's all cool, you can't complain when you're a kid playing to these records, whether it's or Ozzy or Whitesnake or, you know, whatever, Kiss and Zeppelin, and then you either end up meeting, you know, these, either working with them in a band or a project or a studio or, you know, end up, you know, uh, meeting them via your 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 ability or your talent or your career or whatever you know, not just as like a, a fan that's chasing them down the street or sitting in front of a hotel for a bunch of hours. You actually meet them on sort of a similar level, you know. Hey, I'm 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 definitely a far cry, you know, many 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 far cries from any of you guys, you know, that I looked up to, but. I'm a musician in a band and meeting you that way has been, you know. So yeah, it's it's all it's all cool, but it's it's you know yeah, it's not living a dream. I don't know, that's that's a whole other world.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Uh we a lot of my listeners were very excited that you were gonna be on the podcast and I always uh, solicit listener participation. Well,
0: oh, now, now that I've heard that, now I am living the
1: dream. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of people are excited, and I think that I, want, I picked the the best uh, comment slash question to give to you, and I think this will also make you feel uh, feel good, I think. Uh, this is from Miguel from the UK, and he goes, he has a, a question for you, of course. Uh, who is more fun to be around on tour, Zach Wilde in the Pride and Glory days or slash the original Snake Pit tour? Now, before you answer that, he just wants to let you know a couple things. Uh, since the bass player uh, was the same on both tours, James Lomenzo, uh, was there much of a difference in the dynamics when he jammed with Slash or Zach? I guess that's the second part of the question. Uh, he also wants to let you know, though, uh, that he, one of his proudest achievements in his life is to have recorded a guitar solo on a track which uh, Brian recorded the drums and James uh, Lomenzo on bass. So you must know him. Uh, the song is called Burning the Fire. And it's also on the album uh, called "Hard to Bleed" by a great friend of mine called Phil Rocker, and he said just to check. Oh it, yeah,
0: yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, Phil's totally cool. I I wouldn't have known that bit of information because there's a lot of people that Phil had on his record that you know, and I wasn't around for it. I just did the did the drums in my studio and sent him sent him the drum tracks. But uh, no, that's cool. It's cool to know. Um, to answer the question, which was more fun, I'd say it was exactly the same. I, I had a blast. It was it was pretty much a nonstop two years of going from from Zach's thing into Slash's. Uh, I mean, it's somewhere at the end of 93 through into 96. You know, So what is that? You know, it was basically all of 94 and 95, and uh, <clears throat> a little before and after. But no, they're, they're both – first of all, I, I, I love them both. They're, they're both amazing people, and they're both – amazing players and um you know one thing you do get from your experiences if you're paying a little bit of attention is just you know okay how do these guys get where they are and they both have a non-stop insane work ethic uh, very very driven and uh you know one track minded as far as you know the, the priority with them is music and guitar and uh r- writing recording playing all that stuff and and uh, that's exactly how i am so but the, yeah i had a great time on, on both tours uh Touring with Zach got me to Europe and Japan for the first time, and the next year I did all the same stuff with Slash, including uh, um, South America, and uh, yeah, and it was a blast. They're both they're both uh, great guys, man. I had a, I had nothing but great times with them. It was a, it was a total blast. I went to Europe and Japan the first time with, with Zach with Brian Glory, and that was awesome. And followed up the following year doing the same stuff with Slash, which included both years. Uh, playing Castle Donington, and uh, you know, with both the guys, with both bands, and slash, you know, we went down to South America, so that was the first time for me as well. So yeah, man, they're they're um, they're both great guys and amazing players, and and I love you know love Zach with Ozzy and slash with GNR. You know, th- I think you know as a guitar player as well, not just a drummer. You know, I, I learned a lot from them, and it's great to be in in those positions where you can learn from the you know your bosses. You know and uh, um, get that direct inspiration and influence from them, you know, firsthand. But yeah, man, it was, it was great. And playing with James was awesome. I, but James definitely changed his style up from band to band because uh, Pride and Glory was more, you know, original music that that Zach had written that we both had just jumped in and, you know, did our thing with, whereas Slash already had a finished record. So I, you know, that's a, that's a whole different world. You learn the parts and you pretty much stick to that and, mm you know, just try and do a good representation of what the record was all about, you
1: know. So based upon that, and you don't have to, uh, if you don't know it, you obviously you don't know it. If you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. But this was, um like I said, I got a lot of questions uh from you. This is from uh, Anderson from San Antonio. I guess why did Matt Sorum, who was on the record, uh, not tour with Snake Pit, and then, you know, you were able to, to come in? Do you know if he was... Uh, concerned about losing his spot in GNR, or why? do Oh you... uh, no,
0: I sh- I think it was I think there wasn't a big uh, picture outside of Slash making that record and the guys on the record doing it with them. But I I don't know, necessarily think at that point they knew there was going to be a tour. I think it just ended up okay. Guns N' Roses is doesn't have any plans, you know. So Slash was like, well, I want to I want to tour this record, you know. So so Gilby was a part of the record and, um, did the tour. Um, I think Mike Idez did if not all the bass, most of it, he probably did the whole record and he was in Allison chain. So, you know, he was busy with that. And, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe after being in GNR, you know, maybe, uh, um, Matt just wanted to, uh, you know, stay home a little bit more and, and, uh, not do that, I mean, the, the tour with Slash was not like touring with GNR. It was, you know, clubs in the U.S. and you know, we did festivals and some cool theaters in Japan and South America and stuff like that. But it wasn't anything close to like arenas and stadiums on a GNR tour. So, so maybe Mattacha had other stuff going on. I really don't know uh, exactly. I just know he he didn't do the tour, and I don't think he was involved in anything else. Or maybe he just was involved in stuff that he just chose to stay home for. Yeah,
1: right on. And I know you got to run in a few minutes, but I I certainly don't want to uh, let this go by. This is a good jumping-off point because again, ton of questions for you. This is from uh, Damien from South Wales. He says Tish, uh, Tish, sorry, (laughs) Tish is a is a fucking animal. One of the best drummers out there and an awesome dude. Oh, and uh, Silverthorne are a killer band. So uh, please tell us about Silverthorn because you have a couple videos on YouTube. Uh, Tear the sky wide open and Black River Rising. Uh, you said the EP comes out in February. So just up, give us uh, everything that's going on with you currently in Silverthorn.
0: Well, uh, I'm sorry. What, what was his name?
1: It's Damien. Uh, Damien.
0: Damien. Well, Damien, thank you very much. It's uh, very kind of you. Um, yeah, uh, Silverthorn. It's a new band I have with a uh, singer, guitarist Pete Shoulder and uh, bass player Daniel Spree Pete and I I'll try to make this kind of quick uh, he when I was in Whitesnake we were touring in the UK and Pete was in a band called The Union and they opened up that UK tour and I remember hearing him sing you know I'd go into the venue and they'd be opening up and like, that guy's great man he's killer and uh, you know we met but we didn't keep in touch and a bunch of years later we ended up on a project together with the the DeLeo brothers from Son of Pilots they uh, I've, I've been friends with them for, for a while and we put some music down with the idea of, uh, finding a singer. And at the time they didn't have an STP singer. So they, they weren't really sure of their next move because if, if they did find the right guy for STP, that's, that's great. Cause it's not an easy job to, uh, not easy shoes to fill, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if they can't find that guy, they're not just going to sell it short and throw anybody up there and, and just do it for the wrong reasons. so so we had this new thing and uh, through one person or another they got a got a hold of or Pete shoulder got a hold of them and we heard his voice and we we're like Man, this guy's killer he had, it ended up he came out we made a pretty much made a full record with the intention on moving forward sooner than later but somewhere in that that bit of time uh, uh, the current STP singer uh Got, uh, they got a, they, had, yeah, they, they, yeah, they found him. Yeah, they found him and uh, that worked out. So they really had a sort of a tough decision to make. Okay, we've come as far with this newer project, but we found this guy that's working great for STP and, and uh, they, they opted to go, you know, choose the STP route, which leaves us sort of hanging, but we understood because. You know, when you're, man, when you're, we love the STP. I mean, I love loved them since they came out and uh, the guys are great guys. And just to, uh, you know, to just get that chance to move forward with something that you built up over decades and had that much success with, you know, there's the, you know, sometimes you you don't get that opportunity or, or it's just not right. But, uh, you know, they, they made that move and, and went down that road. So a couple months later, I was like, Pete, you know, after getting to know Pete making this record, I was like, man, he's great. Not just a great singer, a great guitar player, a great, there's this he's a great guy he's very very talented and i was like well we're, we're sitting here now why don't you come back out to my studio and let's like uh let's do some writing and recording and and that was all last year that was the beginning of uh, 2018 well oh, shit it's 2020 now <laughs> but uh yeah we did that and there was some time eaten up by some management that was interested and they ended up kind of falling apart and it didn't work out and this this uh, last year 2019 we signed up with golden robot records and Got it all together in the spring, I was in Japan all summer, uh, came back and put out the singles, and uh, yeah, the EP comes out in um, the uh, middle of February, uh, February 20th or something like that, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm psyched, I, I'm, it's a baby band, it's a total uphill battle you know, especially in these days, you know, if you don't get signed to like, like back in the day, you get a major label, you have a budget to work with. Okay. They might, you know, you have to, they might have to recoup it all, but at least you're getting a chance. You're getting out there with some money behind you, which is a rarity nowadays. So, uh, you know, you, you have to accept that and, and just, you know, do whatever you got to do to, to fill that bucket up of, of stuff that needs to happen to move forward. But, you know, it's, uh, it's not easy out there, and, and uh, but you know, as long as you, if you're excited about your music, you're excited about what you're going for. That's that's the most important thing.
1: Right on! I just got to say congratulations. I can't wait to hear the entire record. And if your resume is anything, it's clearly going to be successful. Uh, Brian, I know you, you got to run, go to a session to work on. I mean, it, your work is never done.
0: Work is never done, and and the, the bills keep coming in. <laughs> <You can't,
1: laughs> right you on. What I, mean? I hope we get to do this again because, of course, you know you've worked with Gilby Clark, and I would love to talk about your time with Ozzy and Billy Idol. So uh, maybe when things settle well, down, you know,
0: you know what? I, I, sorry to cut you off, but because it's—I know you started this talking about Velvet Revolver, and and I'll just add a little bit to it to wrap it up you know up yeah to,
1: please tell us about that that course that, that stint please
0: yeah yeah it was what well, was all what was that it was 2005 it was the end of their tour on the first record and I was out with Billy Idol I was in Billy Idol for many years like 2001 to 2009 or something wow and we were, we were on tour and, and Slash called me and said oh man Matt broke his finger you know can you fill in and I was like you know I, I man we're in the middle of a tour we have a little break I have plans with my family like that was already pre-set up I, I don't know man that's like it's kind of like a last minute thing ends up I'd switch some things around and it worked out and I think the last he called me with a few days before I got home and th- those nights I'd finish the Billy Idol show and go in the tour bus into my bunk and just start charting out the whole record and the set list that they were you know that I had to work up got off the plane in LA and literally took a cab straight to rehearsal and they had drums waiting. We just jumped in it for, I don't know, two, three days and just started going through it. And I, I, don't know, I did a couple weeks of shows. I don't know if it was seven shows or something like that, but yeah, it was great, man. It was great. I mean, I, I always love playing with Slash and Duff is awesome. You know, Dave is killer. You know, Wyland was, Wyland he does his thing. He's killer. So they, they were all great. It was totally cool and a great experience. And they were, you know, so I was just a, a quick little fill in because of an injury with Matt and, uh, yeah, that was that. But, man, I guess, shit, that was <laughs> was like 14, 15 years ago at this point, I think. Yeah. Damn. That was the connection. It was just, you know, things like that happen. You know, you you might not uh, play with somebody or run into them or be around them for however many years, and all of a sudden, hey, we're back playing music together we're on tour, and, you know, there you go. That's part of, part of the business. That can happen any day at any time.
1: That's amazing. And it, I think it's awesome that you are forever a part of the history of this band that unfortunately cannot be recreated uh that you're just part of this tree cuz how many bands have you know x amount of former members you're the only you know former member i guess out of these the the originals. so i i, I think that's pretty cool that you're forever it might have been brief and i thought it was very humble when you responded to my email why do you want to talk about velvet revolver it's only it was only a couple of weeks <laughs> and you know well,
0: yeah it, just it wasn't you know i mean yeah there was the internet and stuff and maybe it was mentioned, but it wasn't like this big, it was, yeah, you know, it was a fill-in thing a lot of drummers fill in for a lot of drummers or musicians filling for musicians when, when needed. But uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, devaluing it for, for what it was. Cause it was, it was another great experience. Although it was, you know, it was a couple, you know, two, three weeks or whatever, but, uh, but no, it was, it was, it was uh, totally cool. And I, I got to mention, there were more dates I had to go back out with Billy Idol. So there is one other I guess it's, I wouldn't call call us members. We are just, we are filling in, but drummer, my good buddy, Mark Shulman. Mark plays in pink now. Mark has played with uh, Billy Idol and Stevie Nicks and Foreigner and Simple Minds. And and, uh, we've known each other for a long time, but Mark ended up coming in, I think at my last show, jumped on the bus with us. And he was learning the set because they had like another week of OzFest shows to do. Which I couldn't I had to go back out with Billy Idol. Which the whole reason I was in Billy Idol is because Mark Shulman called me years before and said, "Hey, uh, I'm going to Stevie Nicks. Billy needs a drummer. You want to go down and audition or whatever." And that, <laughs> it's just so, like that. So, yeah, right. it's all, all all circles all all over the place. You know, it never it never ends like that. But uh, but yeah, so so got to give give a little credit to uh, Mark Schulman for coming in and uh, filling in for me, who was filling in for Matt.
1: <laughs> I love it it's all the six degrees I often refer to this podcast as a six degrees of GNR r bacon but maybe we can play six degrees of uh, Brian Tishy bacon just to see how many bands and artists that you're connected with and follow that those threads that's fun uh, so Like, I, um, I know you gotta run again I appreciate uh, all the time that you've given I hope to have you on again uh best of luck sure, with with Silverthorn. Yeah, uh, I'll be sure to share all the info when when Silverthorn gets up and and ready. And I'm, I'm assuming is it going to be a tour that comes along uh, when you guys are up and running?
0: Yeah, that's that's what we're working on now, cool. you know, we've got to, so the the whole agents and managers and all that kind of stuff, you know, but you get you know, as soon as December hits, that's 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 the everybody's kind of looking toward the the vacation time and you can't get much done. For for almost a month or so, you know, and everybody's starting to get back in their offices now. So so now we're now is the time to start getting back on it. Try to put it all together.
1: Right on. Thank you so much, Brian. All right, thanks, man. I appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we're definitely going to get Brian back on again because he, he he's just worked with too many cool people, not to pick his brain for stories. And you know, I I just like his personality. You know, he's been there, he's done that, but he's just one of those rock stars who's just extremely humble. Yeah, we're, we're not all going to be... You know, just the same thing for me. I'm not Howard Stern. You know, so maybe I come off when people think it's cool, the things that I've done. And I kind of just brush it aside. Ah, yeah, whatever. Because you're thinking, uh, you know, you're the best of the best. And maybe Brian has the same kind of thought. Maybe because he's not the same household, kind of same household name as, well, Neil Peart. Um, and, and then maybe that's why he's... You're a little too humble and, and pushes aside some compliments. Uh, and speaking of speaking of Neil Peart, uh, I'm recording the outro of the interview um, after uh, we we got the news from Neil. I recorded with Brian a few hours before, but and I would have asked his opinion as a drummer. You know, losing everyone says he's the best of all time. It, it, that's what's so interesting. It's not even like he's just part of the conversation. One of the best. How many people say that Neil Peart is the best drummer of all time? So I would have loved to have gotten his opinion right there. However, uh, I'm going to read you something from uh, from Brian's Facebook page, a dedication to to Neil, and and I'll get into the mispronunciation of names. How I mispronounced uh, Brian's uh, last name, and a lot of people, I mean, would say Neil Peart. No, it's it's Peart. Uh, so. Brian writes, So sad. Rip Neil Peart, total legend. in The top three of my all-time biggest influences. Changed it all for me when I heard Limelight and Tom Sawyer on the radio in seventh grade. Then buying moving pictures soon after that floored me. Then seeing the exit stage left tour was over the top. Neil in his prime. But that wasn't it. In 1991, on tour with Vinnie Moore, we were informed Eric Johnson had to cancel the last two weeks of his opening slide for Rush. As you heard in the interview, of course, I would have asked him about Rush. What was it like touring with him? So he goes, uh, and we were replacing him. What? Two weeks of arena on the East Coast, Roll the Bones Tour. I had never been inside an empty arena, much less as Rush sound checks with me sitting in the seats, recording it on my Walkman. Yes, I still have those cassettes. Then at Madison Square Garden, I had my Tamaha Swing Stars from high school in seventh grade which I got because I wanted Tomahawk's like Neil, set up on Rush's stage in front of my hero's drums. Already a total surreal trip. Neil comes up and we're talking. I ask him a question about his kit and he says, have you tried them yet? <laughs> what? No. So he lets me play his kits as he stands there chuckling as I do some classics, classic 180 pert per- uh, tom runs. Uh, just too much to absorb and take in. This is still one of my favorite all-time drum highlights. He was totally nice and recommended me to the guys at Ziljan. And forgive me if I'm messing that up. I know it's a drum uh, company, but I'm I don't. I'm not a, a musician, so I don't know how to pronounce it. For, forgive me. Uh, so who I was already with. Just to think he took the time to bring me up like that was too cool. I started tribute bands and events like Hurry and A Farewell to Kings a few years ago because he still makes me excited and gets me fired up when I listen to him. He is one of a kind. There is no other rock show where you see half the audience air drumming all his classic parts. And his lyrics and books, a complete artist in so many ways. I could go on. So glad I was around on this planet when he was and got a big fire lit under me for many decades by the professor. So again, that was Brian Tishy, uh, his Facebook message, uh, his his, uh, eulogy, I guess you can say to uh, to Neil Peart, and it's just so sad. What, he was only 67? It's not that old. Brain cancer. We didn't know, and I think, you know, of course, doing a, a podcast about a band, sometimes we, I don't think I do, but sometimes we, we pry, and we want to know about their private lives, and you don't have to share that with the world. Sometimes people want to share their battles and what they're going through, but uh, clearly Neil wanted to be... Um, you know, just wanted to deal with it privately with family and friends. I'm sure, and came as a, as a shock to everybody. So uh, certainly rest in peace. Uh, I, I if you remember before we get out of here, I, I mentioned to uh, to Brian how my and if you saw on social media, and I was overwhelmed by the amount of uh, comments and and likes that that all of you gave it. That you know, I want to keep you kind of. I want to keep you abreast of what's going on kind of like in my career. Because the podcast, it does tie into it. And I, I think it kind of, if I give myself more validity, the brand of the Brando, I guess, which I already regret saying, uh, if, if, if there's more credibility I have, it gives the podcast more cred- credibility. And I feel that only helps me in getting bigger and better guests. So there's always a method to the madness. It's not the, it's it really, it's... Even when I show uh, pictures with me and celebrities, it's never to show off. It's just kind of, you know, I'm in radio for a reason. I love being on air. How do I give myself more credibility other than being a nice guy? (laughs) It's like, oh, look what what I've done. Uh, Point being, uh, I've been filling in, um, I don't know where it's going to go necessarily, but I've been filling in a backup producer for Q1043, New York's Classic Rock here. Well, essentially where I, I work. There are a few like actual radio stations uh in on the floor that I work on. There's Q one oh four, there's Power one oh five, WOR, uh, Light FM and uh, and KTU and Z one hundred. So there's a lot. And if you are in the my in the metro area of uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, i you, I'm sure or if you are a big radio nerd, you're well aware of these stations. But I'm I'm very humble to have an international audience, so I just want to put it in, you, it in perspective because this was a bucket list and it ties into the podcast uh, why I'm bringing this up as well. I mean, New York it, New York City is the number one market. This classic station is one of the best in the country and it's always been a career goal of mine just to be heard on there. And just training as a producer, I mean, it depends on the show that you you listen to other than the podcast. If there's a, Some shows have the producer be part of the the on-air contributions. But I'm, I'm looking at this as, you know, sure, I'm told I can be on air if I want, but I'm focusing on all the behind-the-scenes stuff that I need to get down pat because I'm training. It's not like, you know, I, I'm there to, for my own egotistical purposes. But the, the the host of the show, Jim Kerr, now Jim is in the Radio Hall of Fame. He and Shelley have been a morning show for 43 years. Forty three years, Shelley Sunstein. That is the longest running morning show in America. Unbelievable. And and Jim, he has done everything. You know, he's interviewed I mean, Keith Richards. I was here a few years ago when down in a little theater here in the in the in the iHeart Studios it's a little, little theater where sometimes we have like little concerts, like record release things that we could broadcast, or sometimes we'll do like one on one interviews that we broadcast and Jim is interviewing Keith Richards, and in my head, I'm like, I'm in I'm a place where Keith Richards is downstairs <laughs> because I was upstairs in a studio making sure Keith doesn't curse too much. <laughs> so it was a hard gig in itself. But Jim, he's been there, done that. So Jim told me when I first started training, he's like, oh, my boss keeps telling me about your gun, your awesome Guns N' Roses podcast. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, okay. I thought perhaps, you know, the the, the when he says his boss, the program director of of Q104. And I I knew, he knew about it because that was, I mean, make a long story kind of short. I I told him about it because I wanted him, because I think I applied for this position a year ago, but there was nothing available. And I wanted him to know everything that I'm doing. You know, this podcast is on my resume whenever I have something where it's applicable. I mean, it's, it's not just having a podcast. Thanks to all of you, it's done well with the guests that we've had and the articles that come out. So I, it's something that I want to show off when it's appropriate. So he knew about it. And I guess in my head, I'm thinking, okay, uh, the program director of Q 104 told the host, the morning show host, Hey, this guy's going to be filling in producer. Uh, he's a nice guy. He has a guns to roses podcast. That's how I'm envisioning the, the conversation going. So I don't bring it up, you know, after that. And, so this also ties in the me mispronouncing uh, Tish, Brian Tishy, said Tishy, it made me feel better because I'm training one morning and of course, sweet child, the mind is on. And before sweet child, as I'm sure you, you hear on your local radio station, wherever you are, and then what I have at the beginning of a lot of episodes is, you know, hey, I'm so-and-so and you're listening to so-and-so. So like I mentioned, Jim Kerr has been there, done that. He's interviewed everybody. And he uh, got Slash to cut an ID for him after he interviewed Slash. So this made me feel better about mispronouncing Brian Tishy's name.
2: Hey, this is Slash, and you're listening to the Jim Kerr Rock and Roll Morning Show. Uh, slash, that's Jim Kerr. Jim Care, Kerr. Care, Kerr. Care, Kerr. Care. Jim Kerr. Jim Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Kerr. Jim Kerr. Jim Kerr. How do you say that? Jim Kerr. 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 On Q104.3. <laughs> hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is hilarious. It made me laugh, and uh, so he called me into the studio after that, and he's like, sit right here. you know, puts me in front of a microphone, so then I, I know I'm going on air. He's like, I want to talk to you about your podcast. And this is how it went.
2: Guns and Roses, it's Sweet Child of Mine here at Q104.3. Now, our uh, substitute interim producer this morning is Brandon, and my boss tells me that he has an extraordinary Guns and Roses podcast. Is that the case?
1: I appreciate that. Extraordinary, sure. I'll use that. Okay, that, that so can you tell us about it so people can hear it? Yeah, Appetite for Distortion. It's on the iHeartRadio app, and I've interviewed. It's hard to get actual current members. and not as cool as you to get slashed, but I've had Richard Fortas and, and Dizzy Reed and Dave Kushner from Velvet Revolver. But I want to interview people like Jim Brewer, Tom Green to get their perspective on Guns N' Roses. So I really like fun. the title.
2: I, I do too. And Thank we you. love Jim Brewer.
1: Yeah, yeah, we do yeah, very we really much. Do. We, and we, and we love Slash. Show.
2: Yeah, we do. And and one day I was standing in front of the station with Slash and he was Slash, if you know what I mean. Sure. He was dressed as Slash. But it was Halloween, <laughs> and people were walking by and not just, knowing it was him. Yeah, just thinking <laughs> that it was some guy dressed as Slash. Another time when he came up, he de Slashified himself. What he just took the hat off and his hair was different. I mean, right. you wouldn't. You just really wouldn't have uh, have. No. You got to have the top hat. I'm sure he wears it to sleep. And Duff. Duff, we uh, love Duff too. Yeah, a few times he's been here, and and uh, I offered. He was hungry. I offered to go across the street and get him, uh, you know, a sandwich. But he insisted on going over there himself. And he just stood in line, right at the corner there, you know, across huh. at West Broadway. Yeah. Right there. Just stood in line at lunchtime, ordered a sandwich. All these people in line with him, not a single soul even perceived. But that, you know what? Because wow. You're probably thinking, oh, he looks like it's Duff McKagan, but no, it can't be. And the funniest thing was when Jim was having some back issues one time when we were talking to Duff, and he was all about, let me show you stretching exercises. <laughs> and Jim just looked at him like he had horns. <laughs> yeah, it's like don't don't come near me with that. Uh but you know, I was I was happy to hear a few weeks ago that there wasn't really a rift with Izzy with this
1: tour. He just didn't want to do it. That's I mean, it depends upon who you believe, but he tweeted saying that he the, the, the cut wasn't enough for him, but then he deleted it. Mm. But now, according to Duff, he just didn't want to do it. So yeah, it depends upon who you ask. Life on the road for a couple of years. Yeah, but if he
2: posted it and deleted it, what does that say?
1: It says he doesn't want to get in trouble with current Guns N' Roses right. management for oh, okay. right. the future. <laughs> well, right. So once again, it's appetite for...
2: Distortion. Distortion on the iHeartRadio app. That's great, Brandon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us this morning. I wanted to share it with our friends.
1: I mean, I was smiling from ear to ear. I posted the picture. So many of you, again, commented and liked it. And after the fact, for him to say that I have a uh, a nice voice, I mean, he's the voice of the gods over there, uh, but although I don't want to smoke as many cigarettes or cigarettes at all <laughs> to get sound like that, but I digress. Uh, it just made me feel good, and, and we'll see where it goes. You know, again, the, the bigger, the more things I do, I think, just gives me more clout to to when reaching out to people to get these interviews that we all enjoy. So uh, that's the reason why I wanted to bring it up, and plus, that's just too funny. <laughs> that's Slash ID. So, yeah, that does it for episode uh, 167 of Appetite for Distortion. I have no idea where this podcast is going to go. I had no idea I would be talking about it one day, on Q1043, the station I grew up listening to, talking about this Guns N' Roses podcast. No way. I, I, I'm i still, you can hear it. I'm still kind of in shock and, and can't believe that it happened. And again, it's all thanks to you because without you listening, I got nothing. So uh, please continue to follow and subscribe however you listen iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, wherever podcasts are available. Just Thanks. And and please leave a review so others who use those those apps or, or platforms can see can find out what you already know about this show. Right? And of course they'll follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD Show. And if you want, because I it's not the official launch of it yet, not like it really needs one, but I am in the middle of making the uh making the uh the an Instagram page. So I've got like 40 or so uh, posts so far and I want to catch up to all the episodes that I've done uh, before I start really pushing it. But slowly but surely you can find us on Instagram, uh, App- Appetite for Distortion. That's it. That's all you have to do to find us. So until next time, because those are if you follow us on social media, that's how you will find out about the next guest. That's how you can be involved, whether it's submitting a question, whether it's being a co-host, you get involved in the show. You keep it going. Other than just giving me your time to listen you are a part of it so when will you see the next episode when will you hear it well in the words of axel rose concerning chinese democracy i don't know if soon is the word but you'll see it it! thanks to the
2: lame-ass security i'm going home